yourself as a singer i sing in rise against <laughs> oh yeah is, yeah. That, is that typical i do it for other singers you know what i mean okay we're all part of a union <laughs> yeah, yeah we're okay. all part we're all part of a, specific, a club, yeah, club. Yeah, gotcha. yeah 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 it's us and quarterbacks and pitchers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what greg graffin from bad religion told me once okay when we were opening up for him he was i was loading gear with the band and he goes tim what are you doing and i was like i'm just loading in greg and he's like tim we're singers <laughs> we, we don't, don't have gear we don't load gear <laughs> and i was like if I don't load gear, I get three really pissed off guys at me. So. so this must have been way back when, when you were actually loading gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were opening for yeah. Bad Religion. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Admittedly, I haven't loaded gear in a while. That's that's the way things work. Yeah, yeah. That's what right. you hope for as a band, right? That's the goal. Like that was the that was the coolest benchmark. The, the benchmarks were like the day we stopped all five of us sharing a hotel room. You know, I was like, when was whoa. That? I mean. Last week. Last week, yeah, yeah. I was like, holy shit, we've made it. We can afford two rooms, you know? And, of course, you hire more guys, and I was still, like, four guys in a room. Yeah. But, like, I remember thinking that I made it then. And then when someone else was setting up my gear, I remember feeling like I made it then. Because like, it got to the point where you were walking out on stage, and people were cheering. Like, yeah! And then you're like, cool. But ten more minutes. Just got to tune this thing up. Make sure it's all good. You're just going to watch me bend over and lift a lot of things for the next uh, 10, 15 minutes. And then we're going to go on in the most anticlimactic way possible. <laughs> so where did, how does a Rise Against show start now? How does it start? Yeah. Is there always, is it, do you have like the opening song that you know, especially with the new record and everything? That's something we're figuring out right now. We just okay. played a few shows, uh, one in Quebec uh, a couple weeks ago in Summerfest in Milwaukee on Thursday. And yeah, like we, what, we opened up with Ready to Fall. Um, but we're always... That's something that we're always conscious of. Like, we need to open up with a different song we did, in, you know, last year, or the year before, and so it's we go with different strategies. Sometimes it's like let's open up with a new song no one knows, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like let them hear something, or sometimes it's like let's open up with a classic that gets everybody going. D- oh, no, different go strategies for festivals and headlining shows. A headlining show like you're playing for exclusively usually your fans. Mm-hmm. You know, a festival you're playing for a lot of other bands fans. Yeah, hoping to gain new fans. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So I was ta- I had Brian, your friend, from Gaslight on the oh, other yeah. day, because mm-hmm. his record doesn't come out until August, and he oh, was right. saying, I don't want to play any of those songs yet until <laughs> people know them. Yeah. Your record's not out yet. Right. How do you feel about that? Um, it's interesting. It's a, it's a, Brian texted me, too, just like, like a few months ago, like, when's your record coming out? I want to make sure our records don't come out on the same yeah. day. <laughs> and um, he, or we do, um, we did the kind of thing where, and I think this is a, a band, this is a music irony, is that, People don't want you to go back on tour until you have a new record out, right? Like, they want you to put a new record out, and then they want you to go back on tour. Because otherwise, you're just kind of still on tour playing the old songs. Once you get on tour, once you arrive at that stage, they just want to hear the old songs. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like that weird, like, sort of battle. Um, But we'll play new songs just because we love to play new songs, you know. But we don't do too many, you know. I think that these last few shows, we only did one new song out of, like, an 18 song set. What you know? song is that? What's we did, the, we did, I don't want to be here yet. Yeah. Yeah, the single, because people will, will have heard it. Um, but we'll try to sneak as many in as we feel like we can get away with while still keeping people's attention. And we'll, we'll try songs and, and we'll gauge their reaction. Sometimes songs are really, they sound great in the studio or in your headphones and sometimes you play them live and like, they're like bastard children that don't fit into like, you know, the, the family of songs and then the crowd, you lose the crowd and then you're like, 
oh, this was a good song, you know, for rocking out in your car, but something about the arc of the show, it, it didn't fit. That makes me think, I was listening to an interview of you saying you didn't want Savior to be on a record. I like did you were just that. like, ugh. I know, there was something about it, I don't know what it was, but... Now you've grown to love it? I've grown to love it, yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I love all the songs, you know what I mean? And I think in that question I was talking about, like, just picking singles, and, like, I just don't care about singles. Um, I love all the songs, I'm too close to them, I feel, I feel not qualified to weigh in, you know? And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really care which song is the gateway drug to our record, you know what I mean? Like, whatever, the, whatever song someone else thinks is, is going to do that, cool. You know, that's fine with me. They're all, I love all of them. Cool. Well, speaking of songs that are out there, I just love the word eco-terrorist. Yeah, so, so like, do I. It's not a thing. <laughs> it's not a thing. I thank you for so, saying so, that. So, okay, so, so explain to me wanting to, to, to use that in a title. Though. Yeah, I think that was my lack of reverence for that word. Okay. You know what I mean, like it was just sort of the eco-terrorist in me. It's like from what, you know, big business, big uh, factory farm corporations, you know, and big uh, companies that are you know, making a living by, and making a profit by hurting the environment in a, in a way. Um, environmentalists and activists have always been a thorn in their side, you know. And so now, instead of trying to clean up their act, they're trying to find ways to make the act of exposing them illegal, you know. So, and now in some states in, in, in America, the, the uh, if you report on animal abuse that you've witnessed, you can be prosecuted. I saw that in documentary. Yeah, it's called the uh, Agricultural Gag Act or, or Ag Gag. Um, and in some places, it's called the Animal Enterprise Act. Um, in some places, if you blow the whistle on some wrongdoing within a company that specifically deals with cattle, like animals, that kind of thing, then you can be called a terrorist. You know, and it's just like these really backwards laws that are actually passing in some places. And to me, like I feel like. There, uh, that that word means nothing to me. You know what I mean. And so it's, and then as it's, and as it's defined as like, you know, an eco terrorist is somebody who wants to promote environmentalism. You know what I mean. And kind of like, kind of like lay down on the tracks for these things that are are just stomping over the world. Like I have far more in common with what you're describing as an eco terrorist than I do with people that are prosecuting them. You know. And so that's where the song came from, like the eco terrorist in me. Cool. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of. Uh... Oh, Mark was just saying, veggie dogs, you don't have them in the States? They're, they're more prevalent here than they are down there? You can get them in the States, but our hot dog stands, like your hot dog stands, yeah. uh, our hot dog stands do not carry them for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Here, everywhere from like Toronto to all the way to Vancouver, like you can get a veggie dog on the street. That, I'm happy you are talking about that. I, so, I'm so happy about it. I, I love it. It's seriously like, I'll, you know, when I leave here, I'm not going to walk into some fancy restaurant. After this, I'm going to go get a veggie hot dog and I'm going to go sit out at the ACC and watch the World Cup. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Who are you cheering for? Uh, I don't know. No. I feel like no. I got, no. I, I, that's what someone said. Someone said that once your team loses, you got to pick another team that you're rooting for. Yeah, kind of. I, kind I don't know. Because, yeah, cause I don't really have a horse in this race anymore. I'm just kind of enjoying watching It's fun. Watching the games. I like the camaraderie it brings of people together standing in front of TVs. Like, you don't see that any other time. No, totally, you're right. And I think, I, I guess I always cheer for the underdog, so. You know. That doesn't surprise me. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, you said something too. If I can give one thing back to music, it's to have some kid in middle America feel like, oh, this fan feels the way I do, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. On the black market, what do you want that kid to take? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think this record is an extension of that that rise against narrative of just trying to connect with people and, and let them know that like if they are if they're in a dark place, there's a way out of it. You know, and that's something that rise against is like has always tried to do and and sometimes we've successfully done it you know and that's when you get um someone in the audience telling you like 
this record helped me through this or helped me through that. That stuff is so much more validating than like selling a ticket or a CD or, or whatever. You know, that stuff is like, it, it means that you've created something meaningful, you know, and, that, and not just disposable. And um, that's, it's amazing when people get it. You know, you write it and you hope people get it, but you're never, you don't ever have that kind of bravado that like, I will be understood as an artist, you know what I mean? Like you just, actually it's the opposite. You kind of assume that it'll get lost in translation and who's going to really hear it in like the, the myriad of bands and music that's out there, you know? But when, when people get it, it's amazing. Is there a song that keeps coming back that people are, that maybe surprised you to be like, oh, I didn't think this would touch people as much as it did? Um, like of our songs, yeah. there's a, we have a song. Like people come up to you and be like, I really like that Bob Dylan song. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe because you covered one, but I didn't. <laughs> we did cover yeah. one. Yeah, you're right. Um, then we wrote a song called "Survive" uh, off of one of our records, and um, it wasn't a single. You know, it was kind of buried in the record. Um, it was like a pretty punk rock song. Like, it wasn't a poppy kind of number that would just kind of take off and but I put a lot into the lyrics you know what I mean and it was all about it was all about all the trials and tribulations that you go through in your life they kind of carve you and make you into the person that you are and how it's important to embrace that and not let those things kind of destroy you um and I, I see kids with the lyrics tattooed on them I see things on the internet people like using the lyrics to create all kinds of cool art projects and so it's it's always amazing like cool like that song never had like a big push behind a label, I never had a video, I never had that kind of thing, but it, but it found people, and people found it, you know, which is awesome. Was it a hard song to write, or did it just flow? That one, those ones always just flowed, you know, mm. or flew, or flowed. And so, they, yeah, and so those ones always just kind of came out, you know what I mean, and I wanted to, I, the, the whole process of Rise Against has been, I, as much as people are discovering the band, like, I'm discovering the band, and I'm discovering, like, what we are, and the music, and the lyrics, and all that, I feel like every record we kind of learn about this identity that was never a strategy. You know, it was never like a, a PowerPoint presentation back in 99. We're like, here's the band we are going to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We Here appreciate I- using the Microsoft product on that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it's, it was always, this is always a very natural and organic thing. And um, it's the kind of people that have been attracted to Rise Against that helped me understand, like, oh, this is the kind of band we are this is where we fit in you know without having to succumb to expectations but to kind of have a little more self-awareness about like this is the niche that we fill in people's lives these are the kind of people that gravitate towards our music and that's how always helped me kind of discover who we are and in that sense like rise against i'll be honest was a pretty arbitrary band name when we picked it and we grew we grew into it it was like we it was like we bought shoes that were too big for us you know what i mean and we eventually kind of we grew into it, and we, we earned the right to call ourselves that. What did you grow into on this record? Because I've heard you say this, like, you're writing about yourselves a lot more on this record. Yeah, like, this one was, like, you know, Rise Against has always looked outward, you know, and this one was a lot more looking inward, you know, and it was it was a lot more of that kind of self-awareness, like, kind of, like, figuring out what is this crazy endeavor that we've been doing for 15 years? What does it mean, you know? Like, um, what does it still mean after all this? Um, and it was... I think that I was doing a lot of like kind of like just self-reflection on that. I think one reason because we took so much time in between the last two records, so I had time to kind of get a little bit of distance from it, as much mm-hmm. distance as someone who's in the band could possibly get. But that offered me a little bit of perspective, and it was I was as I was processing that, I did the only thing I know how to do, which is to write about it. You know, I ended up writing the record about this endeavor of four guys going onto a stage every night and kind of exchanging these emotions with like different people, you know, and different audience members and all of that was um, something that, that was like just really interesting and, and it, that's where the black market came from. Uh, I wrote down that lyric, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was like we were like trafficking in all this like emotional, cathartic kind of stuff 
and I was and I was just thinking, what a, what a bizarre endeavor for us to be doing all all these years later. Does it now that you're going out and you're stripping? Well, you, I saw you with an acoustic guitar earlier. Mm -hmm. How do, how different are the songs or playing to an audience when it's stripped down like that? And you don't have everyone backing you up and all the sound and the production and everything. Yeah, it's way different. A lot more nerve wracking. It's like <laughs> okay, I can't rely on you know everybody to, to to clean up my mistakes. And it's also I think. Yeah, back in the day when someone would say, oh, can you play this song acoustic? I would just kind of just freight train through it the same way I do on a stage. And then at some point I realized, well, the song deserves more than that. You know, it's an acoustic guitar. It's being slung in a different kind of setting. And now I've been trying to approach them a little more tactfully, like trying to like bring out the melodies and bring out the lyrics. I feel like that's, that's the sign of a good song is that when you can do it not just like at full volume with a Marshall stack in front of thousands of people, but you can also do it around a campfire, you know, and then that means, like, you create something that's, like, okay, this is this is a good song. Do you write on acoustic, or is most of it on electric? I do. Write, I write on both. I kind of write all the different ways you could possibly write, but, like, I do, a lot of times I'm tinkering around with an acoustic guitar. Well, what changed, let's go, well, because we're talking about this record, okay. what changed the most, like, if you wrote something on acoustic, and then, because nothing sounds, well, I guess there's the second to last song on this record that's stripped yeah. down, but yeah. other than that. Yeah, like the second to last one, uh, People Live Here, that was all... I'm not uh, with titles, I'm sorry. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> I'm still figuring them out, too. Yeah. My band is really figuring them out. Because they all have these working titles that right. we, we live with for months. And like, oh, man. Like, even, even our producer, Bill Stevenson, uh, we've done, like, all these records with him. And he's never figured out the real titles. You know what I mean? He's like, to him, like, the record is what has is, what is taken place there in the studio. He doesn't really... Like bored with the access. Exa yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care about the release, the thing that you can buy over at HMV or whatever, he's like, it's all about like what we did there. And like this many years later, he'll be like, are you going to play a, are you going to play a No Effects? And we're like, what's No Effects? Like, well, that's what you were calling uh, Black Masks and Gasoline. You know, and like, oh yeah, that was what we called it, you know. And so it's like, we'll, we'll always call these songs by bands that we're referencing. Like, oh, this one kind of sounds like Alkaline Trio. Let's, let's call it that. You know what I mean? Like, and so. I haven't heard Alkaline Trio in a while. <laughs> yeah. No, and we, we take, we off from all these influences. Um, so what song changed the most? Oh, thank you. Yeah. I've lost the question. Uh, Lyrically or right. sonically or whatever. Oh, that's a good question. What took the most to get to get right? That's a good question. Um, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe Zero Visibility was... Um, it's a different guitar tone. Yeah, yeah, it's like drop D, different guitar yeah. tone. And it was really long. <laughs> it was like, we just went for it. It was like a Sabbath song, you know, at some point. And it's still long. At some point, we just kind of embraced the length of it. We were like, we just decided this isn't going to be a radio edit. You know, we're going to, we're going to make this song the way it should be. And so that one changed a little bit um, from its inception to, like, the final completion. Cool. Mm -hmm. I can let you go because I know you got a bunch of other stuff to oh, do. Okay. Here. Five quick questions. Okay. One word answers. All right. Road or studio? Road. Lennon or McCartney? Oh... Lennon? When you hear a song, what usually hits you first? Lyrics, melody, or rhythm? Melody. <laughs> uh, mm. Someone's never heard Rise Against before. What song do they start with? Um, survive. In one word, Rise Against. Physical. Nice. Actually, I do want to close with that just for a second. Okay. How do you keep your... Like, I don't know how you can scream like that for <laughs> two know. hours every night. I don't know either. Not die. <laughs> I just keep my fingers crossed that the next day rolls around and I'm still still talking and still singing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you.